Brace yourself for an out-of-this-world episode. We're diving into three jaw-dropping UFO encounters that defy explanation. Lights in the sky, unexplained sightings, and encounters with the unknown. Get ready for a wild ride through the mysterious and extraterrestrial. Tonight on Newsworthy, two words and two question marks. scoured the podcast world and finally found us newsworthy with steve and jerry where we delve into all things mysterious macabre or out of this world and decide if they are truly newsworthy two words and two question marks Hello, I'm Ed Locke with USA Mortgage. Tax season is upon us. Did you know that 47% of Americans are planning to use their tax refunds for everyday expenses, home improvements, and vacations? What if you used your tax refund for a new home instead? Again, this is Ed Locke with USA Mortgage. Your tax refund can be used towards down payment, closing costs, or paying down existing debt to help get approved. So before you spend that tax refund, let's get together and see how to best utilize those funds to invest in your future and your new home. Call or text me at 502-680-0953. Again, that's 502-680-0953. NMLS ID 448-908, DAS Acquisitions, LLC, doing business as USA Mortgage, NMLS ID 227262. This is not a commitment to lend. Additional terms and conditions apply. USA Mortgage is an equal housing lender. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> that is still making you laugh. It is. It <laughs> was is. it nearly that funny? It was. Uh, hey, guys. Welcome. Hello, Welcome everyone. to the delayed version of our podcast this week. Which means we had way more time to prepare, but probably didn't. Take advantage. <laughs> well, I don't know. We've just covered four different topics. We so. did uh, just spend two hours talking about a bunch of different topics. Your comment reminded me of a term that I heard the other day for the first time ever. I'm sure you guys and most of our audiences heard it. Bed rot. Bed you guys rot. heard of that? No, I've not. Apparently, last year on this weekend, a term began to trend called bed rot. Three-day weekend, right? President's Day, Monday, so three-day weekend. The term began to trend because bed rot apparently means you lay in bed all day. You don't get out. You, you lay in bed and you sleep. You start sealing. You binge watch some show. Bed rot. So, yeah. An extra day for your weekend. Did they take advantage of it? Many of them, like us, not taking advantage of the extra time we had. No, that's an interesting so term because you, you think about like, oh, I get that third day and I'm just going to lay in bed. You think you'd be all rested, but every time I've done something like that where I've just laid in bed all day and watched Netflix like you were talking, I feel worse. Many times <laughs> I don't feel rested. I feel like, man, I need another day to recuperate. I don't, I don't do that. I can't. It hurts me. 
hurts my back, hurts our, my legs. Yeah, our bodies whatever. are meant to to move. Like we're meant to work. We're meant to. Oh, man, I agree. Man, I tell you what, it got bad last week, guys. It got bad. When you when you when your your doctor tells you can't drive anymore, sometimes you run out of food. Sometimes you run out of stuff. I had to steal. This is embarrassing. I had to steal from my neighbor's herb garden last night, last week, Ooh. just to survive. Just I'm, to survive. Yeah, I was the living herbs. on borrowed time. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> had to have that time. Uh, that was good. That was. I like Actually, I really don't even like thyme. I, it's <laughs> it's one of my least favorite herbs. The only herb that I like less than thyme is cilantro. I oh, you, don't like you cilantro? hate cilantro. I hate it. Really? There's two groups of people: people that like cilantro and people that think it tastes like soap. I'm in the soap category. I. <laughs> I can't eat a Qdoba because they have so much cilantro and everything. I don't know. I, I get what you're saying about the soap taste, but yeah, I, I don't. I've never really thought about it. To be honest, I can't, I, I'm always eating it. I don't know. And the time is it's an Italian season. They put a lot of Italian stuff, and you can. Jerry and I have this conversation, and I'm going to put it out to the folks. There is a definite difference between pizza sauce and marinara sauce. But in most marinara, it usually has a lot of time in it. And it's well, you told part of the story. It, I wouldn't have brought it up, but since you did, I'm telling the rest of the story. Uh, As Paul Mr. Harvey Paul Harvey would say, <laughs> here is the rest of the story. Mr. Steve does not like and refuses to eat any tomato that's cooked. Yeah, I don't like spaghetti sauce, mm. marinara sauce, refuses. Absolutely detest cooked tomatoes. Yeah, unless you put it in a jar and write pizza sauce on the label. <laughs> Suddenly, cooked tomatoes have come perfectly fine. I've kidded this guy for years, and I always tell him I'm going to do it, that I'm going to take some marinara sauce, pour it into a pizza sauce. I'll I guarantee know, I'll I, know there's the no difference. way. There's zero way. I will know the difference. He will eat it. Love it. Ask me for the recipe. That's not true. It's so I'm the opposite. I don't like tomatoes at all. Hate tomatoes. But we'll eat. But we'll eat anything tomato, tomato based. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't. I mean salsa. I love ketchup. Love marinara sauce. Love pizza sauce. I mean anything. Even pizza with tomatoes on it. I Ooh, don't. No. But just like regular mm. tomatoes. I hate tomato. I hate tomatoes on burgers. I hate tomatoes on, I mean. I, I, Dude, there is nothing better. It, and I'm from Kentucky. Obviously, you guys know this. There is nothing on this planet better than taking a fresh loaf of bread, a fresh package of Oscar Mayer bologna, slapping a piece of that Oscar Mayer on the bread, going to the garden, picking a beautiful red tomato, Slicing it, putting it on that tomato, and having a sandwich. It's I'm good. telling you what, that's that's it's eating. good. I don't think I would say nothing better. No. I, I, I'd be hard. I wouldn't say nothing better, but I I, I would say I, I don't want good. the tomato, but I'll take a bologna sandwich. I, I like bologna, especially <laughs> when it's fried. Oh, fried I love bologna. fried bologna. Oh, fried man. bologna. Is and when you think about what bologna is, it's kind of gross. No, no, I, Not kind. No, of. I mean, I, no, no, it is no, gross, no, no, no. but like. <laughs> 
It tastes so freaking good, man. Let's, let's just stop that conversation because I am a very... <laughs> you're, you're a Polonist. I am a very discerned eater. And if I get something stuck in my head, I Which can't he has eat it with, anymore. Like pizza sauce. <laughs> it's not That's just not pizza true. sauce. And when I said he doesn't like cooked tomatoes, I mean he doesn't like cooked tomatoes. The man will not eat ketchup. I don't like ketchup. That's tough, man. Well, not only ketchup, he doesn't eat condiments. Not like there condiments are no condiments. No mayonnaise. A no, little no on the side, he might dip something in, like ranch dressing. You use A1. Yeah, but that's different. A1 is a condiment. What do you mean? And what's the number one ingredient in A1? Tomato sauce. <laughs> I don't get it. See, I don't I eat do A1. You know what, what I find really funny about A1 sauce? What's that? Is that sometimes. During the middle of the bloodiest conflict our country has ever known, the Civil War, someone decided, you know what we need right now? A great pizza or a great steak sauce. And they developed a one right in the middle of the Civil War. Yeah, check it out. It says established and it's it's literally dead center. I don't use A1 because at all. No, because if you cook a steak right, you don't need oh, A1 I agree. sauce. I'll use A1, but not on steaks. Yeah, yeah but y'all cook your steaks wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, we don't you turn don't, into you, a you don't The juices are already in the steak. I don't need to, to moisten it more with uh, the A1. <laughs> well, he has to moisten his with something because he cooks it. Uh, yeah. Like now, if, if I get go. my steak yeah, we well go. done, I'm, I'm drowning that A1 sauce <laughs> Oh, but my medium rare steak does not need a one. <laughs> you know, all this reminiscent reminds me. I've noticed that every time that I get it in my car and put it in reverse, I get sentimental. You do. It takes me back. <laughs> <laughs> every time. Oh, man. <laughs> you know it's good when it requires a moment of silence. <laughs> you know, you're, you said... You know, it takes you back. I was thinking about this past week. So I, I told a I told a joke on oh, a team's meeting at work. Steve, you okay over there, bud? <laughs> Steve is it struck one. <laughs> I'm sorry. Please continue, Brett. I'm, sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna Steve. wait. No, go ahead, Brett. I'm good. <laughs> that was good, Jerry. Apparently Props to Jerry that. for that. <laughs> So I told a a joke on a Teams meeting at work last week. Nobody laughed. Why not? Turns out I'm not even remotely funny. Not even remotely, huh? Teams meeting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I like that joke. (laughs) Brett. Oh, man. You remind me of stairs. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you were always up to something. (laughs) Up to something, huh? Oh my gosh. Sorry, I got two in tonight. I, I, I <laughs> it's a good night. Or oh my afternoon. <laughs> Man, my head's still sore. For what? I got hit in the head the other day with a soft drink. Oh yeah? Thankfully it was soft. <laughs> wow. He said he got two and I couldn't <laughs> you had to get- turn down my opportunity. <sighs> Oh, man. But that you, was so depressing. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So depressing. <laughs> the best one you've had in a while. Third one of the day. I'll let you take the 
Take the title with that one. <laughs> Brett's over here just shaking his head. Yep. He's done. He's he's cooked. <laughs> cooked. My goodness. Okay. Just so, like Steve Steak. Cooked. Yeah. Done. <laughs> done. Overcooked. No. Done. Simply put, it's done. Well, yeah, mine's done. done, and you cook it for another thirty-seven minutes. Right. Beyond that. <laughs> oh Indeed. man. All right. So we we got a great show tonight. We hope. It's, we hope. Um, uh, I would like to start the show. If you listen to, and a lot of you did, you you downloaded the episode where we were telling you that we were just delayed. I'd like to go back and clarify that a little bit. First of all, apologize. I sounded like death. Um, but I wanted to. Not my intent was not to scare people away from being treated for cancer. <laughs> um, treatment does suck sometimes. There's no way around that. Um, but as you can tell by tonight, night and day difference between that guy and the guy you see today. That guy was the culmination of three weeks of a very restricted diet of not having the type of medicine that I will require the rest of my life. I had to have, um, because of the cancer, I had to have my complete thyroid removed. Your thyroid, for all of its little bitty purposes, does an immense job inside the human body. Um, controls all your hormones. It controls this the pituitary and the pineal gland. Um, you can become uh, confused, you can become angry, you can be thin, you can be fat, you can, it controls so much. Um, and when that, you don't have a thyroid and you don't have the medicine to replace the thyroid hormones, then you end up doing what I did, which was the thing that made my doctor make me stop driving, <laughs> which was you look in the refrigerator for 10 minutes for toothpaste and then get mad because you can't find it. Right. Yep. Um, or you drive to work and you drive to the place you haven't worked in 10 years. And you're sitting there like, what the hell am I doing here? And then you figure it out and you go to your real work. Um. I will you say did that one too. I did that one too. Yep. Uh, I, I just, but my doctor nailed it. He said, we're going to hit you with this dose of radiation. And that's the main reason for the delay. We could have done a all remote show. Jerry has very young grandchildren that he deals with on a daily basis. Brent has very young children and one on the way. Um, I was highly radiated, had to isolate upstairs would have been almost impossible to our show was so based on being able to see each other and interact with each other visually and cue wise and how we speak. And when we first started it, it was really tough to, you know, we stepped on each other a little bit, but now we've, we've kind of started figuring all that out. Um, so it's really, it would be very difficult to stop doing that, do a show and just not be all over everybody. Um, and, Finally, you know, we've done this for almost two years. In May, it'll be two years we've done this. And um, 
I believe that the product gets better every week. Um, and you deserve that. So if it means we delay a few days to get you that product that you deserve, that's what it takes. Now, did last week suck and the week before that suck for me? Yes. Does cancer suck? Yes. I wouldn't recommend one star. Do not recommend any form of cancer. Um, but there's a lot of people out there dealing with a lot worse than what I had. And I don't want to belittle what they're going through. Pray for them. Love on them. They need something. Help them out. Um, it's a lot. But it's worth it. You know, everybody has somebody, whether you know it or you don't know it, that's loving you, that's taking care of you, that's looking up to you, that feeds off of you, that um, you matter. So take care of yourself. I... Uh, I just want to, one more thing about it. I'm 48. Brett, you're... 26. 26. Jerry's 158. <laughs> um, Give or take a few <laughs> um, When you get to be, you know, they, they change the dates as to when you should start this or start that or do whatever. Um. The one thing you can do, regardless of how old you are, is just be self-aware. If there's something different about your body that you're not used to, check it out. Fix it. Look at it. If you're not, con if you're concerned or have a thought, go to your doctor. I had one small bump come up on the base of my neck. And my surgeon very specifically said, had you not checked that out, by the time we found you had cancer, we wouldn't have been able to do anything about it. And it doesn't spread too far, even though you have one of the most treatable forms of cancer that we know of. It's very targeted. We can kick its ass. You move on with life. You're very blessed. But if you'd let that go, it would have been in your lungs and your esophagus. And your, yeah. It would have just kept going. It was aggressive. Um, so if you see something, say something. And that involves your own body, too, and regular visits to your doctor. Uh, we're going to pray that we're through that. I have to do one more scan. I have to do a scan every year just to make sure it stays right. gone. But that's so small compared to what some people fight every single day with this stupid disease. Yeah. Um, so I'm very blessed. Thank you for having patience. You two guys, thank you for the listeners. And uh, I just want to throw it out there. Take care of yourself. Now, now. Let's get to our episode. We got three stories, very unique, different stories tonight, just like we talked about in the teaser, that uh, um, we have three stories that involve real, and I'm using air quotes because we weren't there, we don't know, but very real to the participants of alien invasions or alien attacks that do not involve World of the Worlds, that does not involve, you know, Independence Day. These are things that scared the bejesus out of the people that were involved in it. And my story in particular, he raised the, the hair on my arms when I was reading it. I was like, holy crap, what would I do in this situation? Um... So we're just dive into it. We're gonna. We're hopefully we can cut this down into a, a show length, and we can make it happen. But 
Um, who wants to start tonight? I didn't even figure that out before we started. I mean, I can start if you want. Brett, <laughs> my hero. I, I will my hero. Go for I'll volunteer as tribute. <laughs> All right, so Brett tonight is covering the, the Battle of Los Angeles, 1942. Yeah. Is that right? 42, yeah. 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 So this is something that <clears throat> I was actually talking to my wife before I came here. I was like, just thinking, like, just doing this podcast has opened my my eyes to a bunch of things that I'm like, why the heck did we not learn about that in history class? <laughs> you know, it's like, where was this? And when I was like learning about, you know, World War Two, and you know, on that vein, if you if they just sprinkle this, is this a whole day of study? No, no, no. Right. But how fun would it be to say, and you know, right? This also happened. Yeah. How many people would be more interested in history if we just peppered in some of these little stories of like, this is crazy. We don't know what happened, but. This happened. Yeah. I mean, it happened. This is a real thing in history. It happened. We don't know what happened, but something happened. Uh, And this is one of those stories. The Battle Battle of Los Angeles. So this is also known as the Great Los Angeles Air Raid. So this actually took place uh, from February 24th, 1942 uh, to February 25th, 1942. So just a day, day and a half. Um, Jerry and his Google did we did we not say to silence your cell phones at the beginning of this podcast? <laughs> maybe we need to maybe that we need to start with a podcast com with that. web page for the Battle of Los Angeles. <laughs> maybe so maybe we just need to start the podcast. Please silence your computers before we. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, so this was this was less than three months after the U.S. entered World War II in response to Pearl Harbor. So just think of the. The state that America is in at this time, as, as you're hearing about this story. So about uh, 2.30 a.m. on February 25th, the people of Los Angeles were awoken by air raid sirens uh, and ordered to black out and prepare for an attack. So I'm just putting myself in this situation. Pearl Harbor was just attacked. Japan is, we, we've already declared that we're going to war with Japan. We're sending our troops to Europe to, to fight in World War II. I'm freaking out right now at this point. I mean, I'm just thinking of, I, I actually have a funny story. So I, my whole life, I, again, I'll try and keep this short, but my whole life I've, I've lived in the country. So whenever we heard tornado sirens, it was very far in the distance, like very, very far. Like you could, you could make them out a little bit. So I, within the last year, I moved into a neighborhood and um, the first time that the thunderstorm sirens started here, I was like, what the heck? What the heck is happening? I was like, you know, is there like a bombing going on? Like, what is going on? No, this is a thunderstorm sirens. I was so close to the thunderstorm sirens. I was like, this is literally right outside my door. Anyways, I just thought that was, uh, I'm just thinking of like what these people were, were experiencing. Just hearing these sirens going off, ordering to black out, prepare for an attack. I'd be freaking out. So searchlights were scanning the skies for an aircraft. Uh, they finally converged on a single aircraft, which was uh, pictured in the L.A. newspaper at the time. Uh, if you look up the Battle of Los Angeles, you'll see this picture. It's the first one that pops up. Um, so <clears throat> the day uh, the day before this happened, uh, just to give some background, a Japanese submarine surfaced 
uh, shot in an oil field around Santa Barbara, uh, and then just disappeared. So when this happened, again, Pearl Harbor had just happened a couple months ago. They, everybody was was ready for something to happen within the next 8 to 12 hours. They were, everybody was on high alert. The whole West Coast was just, you know, they had uh, curfews in place in some in some areas. Um, so so everybody was on high alert. Radar was the first to pick up on uh, some flying objects around the, the coast of Santa Monica, which is where it started. Anti-aircraft ba- uh, batters were told to shoot on sight, uh, anything that came in, into view. Uh, the aircrafts disappeared from radar at one point, but were then still sighted by civilians. Uh, some reported seeing one large ship. Some reported seeing multiple ships flying in formation. Some re- uh, reported seeing uh, six airplanes that looked to be Japanese, um, uh, Japanese aircraft. Um, again, it, it, and what I was telling uh, Jerry and Steve before, this really reminds me of um, the Phoenix Lights. If you guys watched that episode, um, in the Phoenix Lights, people were reporting seeing you know one huge ship, and then some people were reporting, oh, well, we just saw a bunch of ships flying in a V formation, or you know there was <clears throat> various reports. This reminds me a lot of that. Um, so again, there was there was many uh, civilian sightings of of aircraft, whether it be again one large ship or or many flying a formation. The flying object eventually turned south and disappeared over Long Beach. So again, this this happened so quickly. Um, you know, again within within a day, within a twenty four hour period. We shot over 1,400 high-explosive utility shells uh, and countless 50-caliber rounds um, on this object, objects, uh, you know, depending on what source you're going off of. Several people on the ground died of car accidents or of heart attacks from just the stress of the event. Um, No evidence was found of any crashes, and no evidence was found of any bombs being dropped. No, they, this... Whatever we were firing at was not firing back at us. All the damage was from friendly fire. So, before I continue, I just want to stop here and and just ask you two, just hearing this, I, I know you guys have kind of researched this event, just hearing this point of like, we are firing at this object with everything we have, and... Not only are we not shooting this object down, you know, we all, we saw it leave and disappear, but it's not firing back at us. <laughs> not one shot. Not one shot. Yeah, we're... Uh, what, this is not the Japanese. <laughs> no, it was the Japanese. This is not the Japanese. We don't know what he was. We know <laughs> we, it was not the Japanese. So... The Japanese, by the way, at the end of the war, also said that at no point they had no did they have right. airplanes in the vicinity of Los Angeles. What reason would they have to to diminish their own abilities and skills? I, I, it doesn't make sense that it was Japanese in any right. way. Yeah. I, so I'm sorry. What was your question for us? That was it. Was, it was pretty much it. It, it. After hearing this story, like, do you believe that this could have been? Of human origin. That, that's kind of my question. Because... I, well, you haven't uh, went into what 
What do the experts say happened? Military experts, so news media. A couple things time? I saw. So when documenting the incident in 1949, the U.S. Coast Artillery Association identified a meteorological balloon, weather balloon. I think you guys have heard of that before if you've listened to this podcast. Uh, that is recently. the government go-to. <laughs> Apparently that in the 50s awesome. and the 40s, we made the most indestructible, <laughs> amazing weather balloons that have exactly. ever graced the sky of the planet. Well, apparently we didn't stop. Apparently that continued through 2023. We're, you know, we, we still had that uh, we, we, Chinese balloon the, last year. The Chinese stole that technology. Oh, is that, okay. <laughs> yeah. They stole oh, our yeah. So okay. So they they identified the meteorological. that one down either until we hit a sidewinder all of a sudden. <laughs> After it passed the the entire country, yeah, the yeah. mainland U.S. <laughs> Sorry. So they say that this balloon was sent aloft at one a.m. Uh, and it apparently started the shooting, uh, and concluded that once the firing started, imagination created all kinds of targets in the sky, and everyone joined in. So <clears throat> here's the difference, though. And here's why I think your your question actually has meaning. We have pictures, photographs of all the spotlights yeah. on the object that's obviously not a weather balloon. And- no, 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 no. The objects shows light. The picture shows light. Right. It, no. You can't really determine. You can't tell what object might be. Right. So, so if you were the one that sent off that weather balloon, and you're seeing that, oh, Los Angeles is in lockdown right now. We're they're blacking out. They're they're shooting. They're blowing stuff up in the skies. Yeah, maybe I should call and be like, "Hey, sorry, that's uh that's not actually a, a Japan uh, aircraft. That's that's the weather balloon I just sent out at one one a.m. Also, who is sending out a weather balloon <laughs> at one a.m.? <laughs> just <Yeah>. saying. <laughs> Apparently, and not you forgetting the. the- but it's an indestructible. Indestructible. We are literally throwing everything we got at it. Was it 14? 1,400 high-explosive utility shells. <laughs> and countless... It doesn't even count the 50-caliber rounds that we were shooting at this thing, trying to bring it... And, and there's nothing that crashed. If This thing disappeared. It just went on its merry way. If you see what this... If you want to kind of get a visual of what this would look like, all you have to do is pull up video from the Iron Dome going off in Israel today. And you'll see very quickly what a 50 cal looks like going across the sky. Yeah. It's, it's, and we had multiples going off. Oh, we had, yeah. Yeah, we <laughs> All had. firing in the same general direction. Again, this was in the 1940s. Again, right. this was in the middle of the night. Yeah. It started at 3 a.m. It was over well before daylight. Right. So they were firing based upon radar. These, uh, if it was a weather balloon, it was well above where the searchlights would reach. They were f- well, firing blindly. So if you if you look at the searchlights, the light stopped at the object. It doesn't continue. It doesn't on. show an object. Look at the picture. Mm. I, hold on, I'll, shows, pull, I'll pull it up. It shows a central figure that all that is. It, it and the light the lights, doesn't continue on. Say what? It stops at that object. Eh. The light is not. The light does not continue on. Look at, that, picture, look at the picture. The picture doesn't show any object. Well, we'll post the picture on the website. Yeah, and, and please look at the picture. Just look up Battle of Los Angeles. The picture will show up. 
But just, here's the picture from the Los Angeles Times. Right. It was if printed. you would so if show me it, where the object is. Right there. Yeah. There's no. This light does not continue on. <laughs> There's no. So object. this light. This light would just continue. There's what maybe. Well, how many would you guess? Ten, fifteen a different lot. searchlights. A lot. They they come together at one point. There. I do. How would you describe the object? Oh, you can't see an object. No, no, There's you, no object. You definitely can't see an object. So my point is, they were firing blindly. But there's something there. The experts, well, I mean, the people experts said that things. it was in the middle of the night at three or four a.m. I mean, if you a see a big balloon. old light in the sky. Yeah, you're seeing something. Well, you saw a bunch of lights trying to find something. I agree with I that. Mean, that's a good. I mean, that's a good. That's, that's a good point. All I know is. Yeah. There's but zero enough, evidence. But we are fi- we are just firing explosives. First of all, it was panic on our part, right? We assumed that it was Japanese. At the very least, it's panic. Yes, very least. And at the time, there were even reports of people describing the Japanese fighters that they saw. There was even reports of Japanese fighters that had been shot down in the street. Turns out they're Japanese. there were no Japanese. There was no, yeah. No, we, that much we do know. So was there something... I, could it have been? Sure, absolutely yeah. possible. We don't have any proof. So, so in 1983, the U.S. Office of Air Force History attributes this event to the case of war nerves triggered by a loss, but by a lost weather balloon and exasperated stray, exasperated, gosh, I can't read, by stray flares and shell bursts from adjoining batteries. As an example of incompetence, the incident was derisively referred to the Battle of Los Angeles or the Great Los Angeles Air Raid. <clears throat> so, again. Could it have been extraterrestrial? Absolutely. We have no way of knowing what the heck it was. There's no proof. So, I I guess if we could save this for the end of it. I, I personally am of the belief that whether this incident is... You know, Ger- you know, Germans, J- Japanese, nobody, aliens. It seems like an incident that's pretty key in history, and I should have learned about it at some point. Here's, here's, let me pivot to a different type battle. If you don't care, Jerry, I'd like to go next. Oh, me. Because the weather balloon theory is a wonderful theory for yours. Hard to argue, right? Not. <laughs> but the theory, the best theory that they've come up with for mine is that a family of 11 folk were terrorized by a pair of alien ship gliding, shield-wielding great horned owls. It blows me away sometimes the stories that our government will go through and try to convince people that what they saw, they did not see. It's kind of like Men in Black with Tommy Lee Jones and Will Print, or Fresh Prince, Will Smith. Smith, (laughs) I want to talk about the 1955 case. And it's called the the Christian County Incident or the Hopkinsville Incident, where a family was under siege for over 12 hours by 
a large group <laughs> of basically little green men. Now, these men aren't like the typical aliens you see with the big bulbous head and no ears and the big eyes or what we refer to as the grays. These guys look very much like the Kentucky Goblins um, that I covered in the bonus story. If you stick around for the bonus story, you learn things on this program. I'm just saying. A lot of people, I didn't realize it, but I actually, there's a lot of people out there that just doesn't pay much attention to the bonus story. Shame on you. That's Some an awesome of the most story. interesting material. It absolutely is. <laughs> But let's talk about the Sutton family. The Sutton family was a typical Kentucky family in the mid-50s. Hardworking, religious, didn't play around, wasn't known to be a dramatic family, wasn't known to be a family of, of a bad um, bringing up, if you will. Um they had a visitor, uh, the Suttons did, one of the boyfriends. Lucky Sutton was the patriarch, the father. Uh, Billy Ray Taylor was visiting from Pennsylvania. He was uh, visiting, I guess, to call on one of the missuses. I don't know. I, I didn't get into that much, that part of the story. That didn't concern me much. What did concern me was there's no running water in the house. And Billy Ray Taylor had went outside to get some water from the well. Came running back in the house, excited, said, hey, there's a bunch of lights back here in this gully behind the house. I just think I saw a spaceship land. Well, the family laughed it off, blah, 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 called him a crazy person. They went about their stuff. He keeps getting up looking at the back windows because he knows what he saw. However, very shortly, the dog starts raising the ruckus on the porch. So Lucky and Billy Ray grab their guns, typical Kentucky folk, go out on the porch, and standing in front of them, 10 to 15 feet away, is a three-foot alien being, small, green, pointy ears, with his hands raised up like he's trying to surrender. That was what they anticipated. Um, and Billy Ray panicked and shot it with his 22, in which case Lucky unloaded the shotgun, the little green dude kind of bounced away, and they went back in the house. It wasn't very, very long after that that they started noticing these little green dudes looking in the windows, they started shooting, they herded all the women and children into the bedroom, they put them, you know, hit them under the beds or in down. And for the next four hours, all hell breaks loose in this little house. They're shooting. They're doing this. They're doing that. They finally make a break for it. They get out there. They get out of the Dodge. They get to the police station and convince the police department, hey, we're not crazy. This is happening. The police send a few dudes out. They scour the area. They don't see anything. They go away. They didn't send a few. They convinced the police. Yeah. Do you know who they sent? How many? A few. Four police officers, city, five state troopers, 
three deputy sheriffs, and four military police officers from the nearby United Those States came back later. Fort Campbell. Those came back later. They came back later. Because this is broken into two different attacks. So they come out, and uh, the, they try to continue their day. As soon as all the important people leave, the little green men come back. And it starts again for another eight hours, shooting the house, shooting through the windows, shooting through the walls. Every time that they think that they've got it uh, wrapped up, Bobby Ray, or uh, Billy Ray and Lucky go out on the front porch at one time. These guys are three foot tall. They're on the front porch. And Billy Ray's looking around, and one of the guys is on top of the roof, reaches around, grabs him, and lifts him off his feet by his hair. Three foot tall. Um, the only way he was freed was lucky, shot through the bottom of this porch, and bounced the little dude away. At which time, after another six hours, they loaded, they were able to get everybody into the trucks, get everybody to town, and that's when that response happened, when everybody came out, including the, the Air Force people and the Army people from nearby Fort Campbell. Um, how would you feel in that situation? When, when Well, I'll tell you what. If me and that many people fired at them for that number of hours and they're in the windows and they're in the doorways and we couldn't hit them, it wouldn't take that many hours before I decided to get the hell out of Dodge. Yeah. I would leave. So, yeah. <clears throat> at 2.15 is when everybody left the first time and it restarted. These people were stocked with ammo. Yes. <laughs> Big time. I said one thing I think of this is like, they were shooting for that long. They had some that's a mammal stock. And apparently, extremely bad shots. <laughs> no, no. They would hit them. They would hit these guys, and they would get hit and just bounce away. They had shields. According to every eyewitness who was questioned individually, they all said the same thing. Not one of their stories deviated from the other. The looks, the reports... The way that they acted when they were hit with a round, everything was the same, including when the police and the, the army agencies went out and asked the questions of the neighbors. Yeah, we heard a bunch of shots. We didn't know what the hell was going on. We saw a bunch of lights in the sky, too. If your neighbors hear shots for a 12-hour period and never come to see if you're okay, you need some better neighbors. Or you don't want to get shot. Twelve hours, and they don't come to see. Or call at least call alive. authorities. Yeah. By the way, according to Wikipedia, of course, the the inhabitants of this home was a woman and her three children that lived there. Single woman with three children. The other people were two sons from a previous marriage: Lucky Sutton, John Charlie Sutton, their wives, and. Our, one of their wives was Arlene, and Arlene's brother, O.P. Baker, and Billy Ray Taylor were there. Single woman with three kids 
and the neighbors hear shots for hours and never come to make sure the single mom is still alive. Crazy, right? Need new neighbors. Yeah. It was interesting. And the the funny thing is, this is literally like uh, about a two and a half hour from my my house. I really (laughs) want to go check this place out. (laughs) Just as soon as I can. As soon as the weather breaks, (coughs) I'm going to go on a bike ride and and check it out. Do any of it still there? Original home, or uh, probably anything. not. I mean, it's the only shot through, and the only physical evidence that was left was that some of the army agents found a small pool of iridescent uh, material they couldn't identify. That was it. Hmm. Isn't it nuts? Crazy. So when the federal government was asked about it, they said that they were terrorized by a pair of great horned owls. Well, it was not only the federal government that said that. The local news media, apparently the guys that went out, come back, and that was their assumption, too. The uh, Again, there was four city police officers, five state troopers, three deputy sheriffs, four military police officers, and that was their assumption. One other thing, who knows if it's true or not? According to Wikipedia... All early articles did not refer to little green men. The color was added later by newspaper stories. Right, right. There was no color of green. Originally. Uh, so not that that makes a difference. By the way, I looked up little green, or uh, I'm sorry, the owls in question grow to be 25 inches tall. Right. I cannot imagine a friggin' two-foot owl. I'm not saying that's what he was. I have no friggin' clue what he was. I'm just saying a two-foot owl, I'd probably be getting my gun and shooting at the doggone owls, too. Yeah, that's one thing. Well, two-foot owl's scary. Yeah. I, it is kind of weird, though. That So would, would, there's 11 people in this house? There was a total, I think, of, yeah, 11 people. Five adults, six children. And they sat for hours shooting at whatever the crap it was that they thought was aliens. Was it aliens? I don't know. At whatever it was. You know, at this point, it's, you know, how many years? 55 years later, I think. Well, it happened in 1955. So 45, 68 years later, 69 years later. Uh, we're not going to find out. There's no proof. There was no pictures right. at the time. So nothing, no no evidence is going to come out. But uh, I, think, I think the thing that surprises me the most is... These aliens that are capable of, you know, you know, extreme distance travel, all this technology to come to Earth is not able to overcome these couple dudes with 22s. <laughs> and just sit around getting shot at. For right. Hours. <laughs> Just keep getting Apparently, shot at. Apparently, that was their reason for coming to Earth. <laughs> Just uh, get I, shot at, and uh... it, it's crazy. You know, it doesn't make sense for a bunch of adults to make up a story. It would be different if this story happened uh, in the middle of the night for five minutes. This is five adults for hours shooting repeatedly. Yeah, we know they they shot their windows of their house out. They shot. Through the walls, there was a lot of shots fired. So they were scared to death about scared. something. Something scared the whole <laughs> piss out of them. Was it owls, as the government said? I have no clue. There ain't uh, no way. You're not ever going to convince me somebody was. Oh, 
crap too about that. Well, I'd like Scared to think to that of, at the same time, I've never seen an owl above six inches tall either. So if I seen a two foot tall owl waddling up through my front door, I'd probably go get my gun. So you think eventually they would have shot? <laughs> you would have thought. Supposedly that, they did, uh, and there was like a metallic sound. I think is yeah, that correct? Yeah, and, and there was an owl is not going to reach around the porch, the 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 the, the front porch, and pull you up by your hair. <laughs> no, that, that is definitely true. Now you started out by saying that these were good. People. Well, they were, they were, I mean, yeah. Two of them were carnies. Doesn't mean they're bad people. I didn't say they were. (laughs) I'm just saying when you're talking about good, honest, religious people, carnies don't come to mind. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) That's That's all I'm saying. (laughs) I I still don't see how that convinces anyone to shoot up your own house. 100%. Um, totally agree. I, I, you, you can be whatever you want to be. You're not going to convince me unless I see something to start shooting through my own walls. Just saying. I just this this story scared. I mean, it was when I began hearing it, and I'm like, Brett, I've never heard anything about this, and I've lived here most of my life. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Again, according to Wikipedia. French UFOologist Renaud Leslet argued in a publication that the best explanation of the case is that the residents had simply seen great horned owls. That's from a UFOologist. Yeah, well. Does he know? Does he have the answer? I have no clue. The French also that believe that is... they'd rather eat snails than hamburgers. So <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't give them a lot of Have credit. you ever tried Escargot. I have. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm surprised you would even try it. I did try it. It was on a cruise ship. Um, I tend to try a lot of things I don't have to pay extra for on a cruise ship. <laughs> See, well, that's the whole Especially thing. something with the price of escargot, right? Absolutely. I A lot of times, I was raised very, very poor. And if I find something I like, and this drives Jerry crazy, <laughs> If I find something at a restaurant I like, I tend to stick with it, and I don't try things much off no, of that no, 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 Again, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story is he doesn't tend to do this without exception. The man finds one dish in a restaurant that he can tolerate. That's all he will order for the next 30 years. Because why would I want to waste the money and buy something I don't like? like? I So I... I will say I I like a variety of different foods. I'm the same way. It's like I I have a if I find a meal that I like in a Mexican restaurant, I'm gonna order that every time. Yeah, <laughs> because just, I like it. Right. You um, never deviate. Now on the cruise ship, I've paid for everything they have to offer. So if they if if it's something like frog legs, I've never had frog legs, and I don't have to buy them. And if I don't like them, they're gonna bring me something else. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to try a lot more stuff, and escargot is one of those things. I tried. Yeah, it. frog legs are just like chicken. Yeah, they are. I see, I yeah, like they it. say that about a lot of stuff. You it's like true. frog legs? It, it literally a, tastes like chicken. It was on a bone. And I don't eat food on a bone. What? Yeah, I don't like anything off a bone. Well, okay. have you ever had? Here's what he means. Oh my goodness! If he sees the bone, he can't eat it. Yeah. True story. The man cooks Thanksgiving dinner. Yep. He cooks the turkey. He, the whole complete turkey. Yep. He takes it out of the oven, sets it on the top of the stove. I go he to leaves the room. room, 
His wife comes in, pulls it off the bone, no, no, and he can no, then eat it. No, no, I'll bring no, her in that here. Isn't how she it will works. tell us. Listen, this she is comes how in, it pulls works. it off the bone. He then has Listen, a great Thanksgiving dinner. This is how it works. I will cook a turkey. It is the most beautiful, golden, delicious turkey you will ever eat in your entire life. I set it upon the stove, and then I leave the kitchen. <laughs> And magically, magically, when I come back, <laughs> the turkey has been separated into white meat containers and dark meat containers. And bones no longer exist. There are no bones. There are no anythings. It's beautiful. It's sliced. And I can have a great Thanksgiving He is not dinner. joking. He is not exaggerating. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Anyway, Jerry, what do you got for us tonight, my man? Um, one about as crazy as these two. If I can find it, I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> the Val Johnson incident. Ooh. Now, when it comes to, yeah, when it comes to UFO counters, I tend to be skeptical in case you guys haven't noticed. <gasps> Uh, Brent! I tend to be skeptical. Did you hear that? I never realized Jerry skeptical? Unless, unless, it's if it's seen by many people. We did a show quite a while, a couple, three months ago. Uh, And if I remember right, you did the Phoenix Lights the same night that I did the Rendlesham Forest incidents. I put a lot of belief into those because a ton of people saw this. Um... that helps me to begin to believe that there's something there. A crap load of people saw it. Um, 200,000 in the case of the Phoenix lights. Yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah that was... 200,000. Over several We don't governor. know what the lights were. We know there was a bunch of freaking lights. And they the were sky. quiet. And they were uniform. And they lasted a very long, long time. time. They didn't go away quickly. Things like that tends to make me far less skeptical. Another example. Do you guys remember the incident they called the Tic Tac UFO sighting? Absolutely. Pilot. Of course. Yeah. Wasn't seen by a ton of people, but you're talking about an extremely reliable person. And a person with video. Right. Uh, yeah, I think there was some video. They, uh, But an extremely reliable person, a person who in his profession tends to not be easily scared. Uh, he tends to be trustworthy. Uh, otherwise, they're not going to give him the controls of plane that costs, you know, $100 million. Those things make it believable to me. Military, law enforcement officials, they tend to be far more believable. The uh, the big crash that they got caught, that the cops caught on their uh, chest cameras, yep. too. That was the one that Las you Vegas. Yeah. Yep, you covered that one. Yep. The, those things, anytime there's evidence, obviously, and lacking the, the video evidence or whatever, a ton of people, ton of witnesses, or people that are very believable uh, military law enforcement. And this one is exactly what I'm discussing today. He is a military, but the Val Johnson incident uh, occurred at approximately 1.40 a.m. about 35 years ago. The Marshall County Sheriff's Deputy, Val Johnson, was on night patrol along a rural section of State Highway 220 near Warren, Minnesota, when he drove into, in his words, a ball of white light. Now, it was in the early hours on August the 27th of 1979, again around 1.40 a.m. He was on patrol. 
He was about 10 miles outside of town. And as he was approaching an intersection, he stopped and looked both ways. His road dead ended into the road ahead. And he noticed a very bright light that was approximately 8 to 12 inches in diameter, 3 to 4 feet off the ground, he said. And he said that the edges were very clearly defined. And the light was headed in his direction, but didn't appear to be on the road. It was hovering above the road. It also, he said, didn't appear to be the headlights of an oncoming car. He at first wondered if it was a small aircraft, possibly trying to make an emergency landing. Now, very quickly, <coughs> excuse me, very quickly, the light began to accelerate, and the light appeared almost momentarily to be directly in front of it and crashed with his patrol car. The sound of breaking glass damaged metal, filled his ears, while his sight, he said, was overtaken by the light's brilliant glow. Then, with the patrol car still in motion, still moving, he blacked out. Uh, when he came to, the car was approximately roughly 800 feet from when he, where he last remembered it and now stood sideways on the road, perpendicular to the road. The windshield was busted out, one headlight on his 1977 Ford LTD that the cop cars always used to use. One headlight was also busted out. Both radio antennas were built sharply, one of them on, on an almost exact 90-degree angle. Interestingly, later on, they figured out that the watch on his wrist and the clock on the dash of his car were both working, but were exactly 14 minutes slow. Um, that wasn't, he didn't notice it. I forget exactly who noticed the, the time on the, the clock in the car. And at a later time, they figured out that his watch was also off by the same amount. Now, after he had requested assistance, a fellow Marshall County police officer, Everett Doolittle, arrived on the scene quickly. And he requested medical assistance, and Johnson, understandably, was found to be very much in a state of shock, complaining of very sore eyes. And he was transferred to a local hospital, the Warren Hospital, where he underwent several examinations and x-rays. And it was found that he had damage to his eyes, very similar to what a welder who's welding without a helmet would experience. Further examinations also showed slight damage to the inner eye, consistent with being exposed to a particularly bright light at very close range. Now, perhaps one of the most interesting details of the whole affair, at least at the scene itself, as we mentioned earlier, was the fact that the watch and the clock in the patrol car were found exactly 14 minutes off. Kind of hard to explain that one. Meridian French, an expert in his field from the Ford Motor Company, would examine the damage to the car for several days. Rather bizarrely, he concluded that the crack patterns and apparent sequence of fractures seemed to be due to inward and outward forces acting almost simultaneously. This is a Ford Motor Company expert. Um, the incident turned Johnson into a local legend and a national media sensation. A lot of people wanted to interview him and get him on air talking about it. Years later, people still talk a lot about the incident. His squad car is actually preserved. They have a local county museum in Marshall County with his actual cop car still there, still with a cracked windshield. It was never fixed, never ran again. The car's still there. There's a plaque out in front of it that says the UFO car. People still come from miles around to see it. It's always displayed at their annual Marshall County Fair. Of course, some little county, you know, it's probably the biggest thing that's ever happened there. They're, they're going <laughs> to get the best use out of it they can. 
sometime when the former Marshall County Sheriff Dennis Breck gives talks at the museum about the car and the night that his deputy drove it into a ball of light. Police did investigate and were never able to draw any conclusions. What's known as the Val Johnson incident remains one of the top 10 most influential UFO encounters, according to Jerome Clark, who wrote about it in his 1998 book, The UFO Encyclopedia. It's been covered by shows like The UFO Files, Mysteries at the Museum, Even to this day, people debate the legitimacy of the encounter in online forums. Now, what's known as the Val Johnson incident remains, as we said, one of the top 10 most influential UFO history uh, encounters in history by most UFO experts. Um, One thing is missing. We, We talked about the museum, his car, that's still sitting there with a broken windshield. The one thing that you won't find is Val Johnson himself. Doesn't talk about it. Was offered by book. Uh, several people tried to get him to write a book about it, to make movies about it. Had zero interest in any of that. Uh, for whatever it's worth, that makes me believe the story a little more as well. When it's, it's a little bit different when someone is obviously trying to financially uh, profit from the story. So, to sum it up, if you have a UFO story and you want me to believe it, and you're the only one, the only witness, <laughs> this is the way to get me to, to begin to believe it. Be a trustworthy, reliable witness. Uh, spend his entire career in law enforcement uh, and not appear to be wanting or trying to financially benefit from it. So, was it a UFO? I have no clue. Neither does he. The fact, the last thing that he's publicly said about it is that he saw a ball of light. I drove toward toward it, and suddenly it was in the car with me. It's unexplainable and remains so. I'm happy with my mental stability. He also, (laughs) when asked specifically if he thinks it was extraterrestrial, says no, he doesn't think so. He says, yeah, yeah. He says, I doubt it. He said, uh... To me, it's something I can tell at the bar, and that's about it. But, you know, once again, if you want me to believe your story, right. play it off like this. I, yeah, because yeah, every story we've talked about, it's always, you know, what do they have to gain from this? You have to and consider it. If you got a book that's coming out about, you know, whatever, whatever incident, yet you have something to gain from it. You know, if you have a movie deal that is in the in, in the works, you have something to gain from it. And it's, it's always, okay, well, what's your motive? If you have no motive and you're just telling the story as it happened and not trying to gain anything from it, yeah, then you're like, okay, well, something happened. Yeah, something. There's something there. You know, something cracked the windshield. Did he have a bat? And this is in a situation where, like, the front of the car is bashed up and he had an accident. He's trying to cover up having an accident because he's been on the sauce. You know what I mean? Sure. You know, I was the first thing you think of. Right. Oh, maybe he just had an accident in the cop car because he was coming home from a party or whatever. Or it's one in the morning. Maybe he just got tired and fell asleep at the wheel. Right. And there's no indication of that. Even the guy at Ford said the cracks in the windshield are consistent with nothing we've ever seen before. That's just yeah. That's 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 another one too. Just the. The guy at Ford, his yeah. his input on it, his expertise. So the Val Johnson incident, 
Do you think it needs more or less news coverage, Jerry? I'd say, is there an in-between? <laughs> so let me let me ask just real quick. Yes. So it, it was one of the top 10 most influential UFO sightings. What made it the most influential? I think because they couldn't find holes in the story. Okay. It's my understanding. Anytime you have a loss of time, that is one of the things that makes people in the UFOlogy um, realm believe that it's a third, uh, a close encounter of the third kind, that there's interaction, that they have stopped time or at least removed you from said time while they do whatever they do, be it. Uh, who was the uh, couple we covered a few weeks ago that was the first abduction? You know what I'm talking about up yep. in the Northeast? They lost an hour, according to the clock on it, the watch and the clock in his car. These old cars used to have analog clocks, and they would just stop anytime there was an interaction. And then as soon as the aliens were gone, the clock would start. Well, you get back to town and you think it's one time and it's an hour or whatever later. I remember that. I yeah. I remember and, talking about it. Yeah. So that is one of the things that makes this, that coupled with the evidence of the windshield, coupled with the eye, the eye damage and, and the fact that it went from being outside the car to inside the car without, you know, just the light. Um, makes it influential, just so you know. The, yeah. the, the, the trigger, I really believe, is the time, the yeah. time loss. Yeah, because I'd never heard of this story before. Neither so. <clears throat> to answer your question, when I was trying to wimp out by saying, I think that the current coverage is satisfactory, which is simply, we're not, it, it's kind of like your alls. We're not going to come up with more evidence. We're not going to figure right. out the answer to this. These happened so long ago. Yes. This one was the newest one at 1979. I was four. <laughs> yeah. 44 years ago. So does it need more? I don't know that more is going to do anything to the story. I don't think it's going to shed more light on it. So, and but if it, it doesn't, doesn't need to be forgotten. No. No. So you're right. From that standpoint, it would. if I have to give it one or the other, I would have to go with thumbs up on that one. Right. Yeah. No, I would agree. Thumbs up. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Because we 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 take such a risk of losing these if we don't talk about them. right. Because nobody is talking about these. Right. And, like in in normal, you know, atmosphere, you know, normal conversation. Nobody's like, hey, do you remember the, you know, whatever. Right. And it's definitely not taught in history class. It's not, it, yeah. So like you said, it's just so to what keep about it, what about the Kentucky folk from Christian County? You guys. I believe, since I started that story, I'll, I'll go first. No way in the world are you going to believe me that two-foot horned owls attacked this family for 12 hours. <laughs> and Not. were able to evade Multiple shots <laughs> from multiple guns. I think it's interesting enough to have that this number that, of people that many was people. that scared that shot up yeah. their own home. Yeah. That I, again, I don't know you're going to come up with more evidence. I don't know you're going to be able to shed more light on the story, but uh, it certainly shouldn't be forgotten. Yeah, right. so thumbs up for me on this one for I, sure. I would agree. I would, I would also agree. Yeah, it, just in the fact that it's, just a, it's another you know, point to be like, 
you know, for just for the defense of UFOs, <laughs> well, this happened. Yeah. Well, this happened. Well, this right. happened. Like, and all these things are kind of sounding very similar. And yeah, right. yeah, I, I think Battle for Los Angeles. Yeah, I, this is one that when I was researching it, I this is one thing I was really can really wondering why this is not taught in schools. Like, why this incident isn't ever even just as like a oh well, hey, this you know after Pearl Harbor. You know, we were in a really scared situation, and we started just firing at nothing. You know, even just, or, or a weather balloon, just even just that being talked about in schools as a, as, a, as a teaching moment of like, hey, you know, even in times of fear, we need to, you know, kind of think about what we're doing. No, it, it's not taught anywhere. It's, it's, you know, you have to, you have to dig for this stuff. So, I, and, and just, if you're just thinking about it in that context, I would say 100% sums up. I think something actually did happen. I 100 percent agree. So I would say double thumbs up for that. And the the fact that the ominous any at this point for me, government says weather balloon automatically equals alien for me. <laughs> I'm just saying that's where I'm at. So thumbs up on the battle for Los Angeles. So you think that we had aliens over the United States last year? No, we knew that was a Chinese oh, balloon. Well, we what I didn't know is why oh, we okay. let it just glide all over <laughs> our country without shooting it all the way back to China as soon as it crossed Alaska. That's what well, I Well, I differ with that. you guys. I think that uh, in all odds that the experts were probably right, this probably was a weather balloon. But more so than that, I 100% agree with Brett that why isn't this mentioned? Yeah. If you are a history teacher and you want to turn your kids into interested students instead of guys that are sitting here using toothpicks to hold their eyelids open, listening to you go on about the same stuff they've heard forever, bring up this. And as Steve mentioned, it doesn't need to be an entire episode. Spend five minutes. And tell them if you're interested, you know, in today's world, everyone's got the internet. Go to the library, look it up on your phone, do some research. But spend five minutes. Yeah. Give them enough teaser to get them interested. Why in the world it wouldn't be used at, at least to get students interested in topics like the World War is beyond me. So abs- more so than any of the rest, this one needs more coverage. Also... If you want to hear more about Kentucky Goblins, check out one of our previous episodes and listen to the bonus story, which is coming up very soon. Man, that episode is really interesting. And if you'll stick around for us for just a few commercials, we have another great story to tell you. Hi, this is Ed Locke with USA Mortgage. When it comes to buying a home, the process can be overwhelming and confusing. With so many options, it can be hard to know where to start. That's why it's important to work with a certified mortgage loan originator. I have the knowledge and expertise to guide you through the process and find the best mortgage option for you. I will work with you every step of the way to ensure that you are getting the best deal possible. So if you're looking to purchase or refinance, please reach out to me at 502-680-0953. So don't take on the stress of buying a home alone. Work with me and I will make your dream a reality. Trust the professionals and make your home buying experience a positive one. 
MLS ID 448908, DAS Acquisition Company, LLC, doing business as USA Mortgage, MLS ID 227262. This is not a commitment to lend. Additional terms and conditions apply. USA Mortgage is equal housing opportunity. If you want us to review or rate your product on air, if you have suggestions for new episodes, awesome ghost stories, or anything else, please reach out to us. Our email address is newsworthywithstephenjerry at gmail.com. Our text number is area code 540-709-1318. And now, back to the story. Tonight, we're going to talk about Red Cloud. Red Cloud was an Ogawa Lakota Sioux Chief, statesman, and military strategist who became the only Native American leader of the Plains Indians to win a war against the United States. Red Cloud's War, 1866 to 1868, forced the United States government to agree to Native demands without stipulation, establishing the Great Sioux Reservation of 1868. Red Cloud is often referenced as the chief of the Sioux Nation. Following descriptions were given to him in the 19th century, but as the Sioux government was decentralized, He was one of many chiefs and the only leader of the band known as the Bad Faces. In his youth, he had a part in many, many trading expeditions that camped near Fort Laramie and so acquired a great and vast knowledge of the white man, more so than most, if not all, of his contemporaries in leadership. According to modern scholars, including Bob Drury and Tom Calvin, This gave him greater insight into his later interactions with U.S. government and its representatives. Following his victory over the United States in Red Cloud's War, he negotiated the closing of the Bozeman Trail through Sioux Territory, the abandonment of U.S. forts, and created the Great Sioux Reservation, which stretched across modern-day South Dakota, all the way up into North Dakota, down to Nebraska, He traveled to Washington, D.C. at least twice to negotiate with U.S. President Grant and became so well known and respected as a representative of his people that he became the most widely photographed Native American of his time. His efforts to establish peaceful coexistence with the white man eventually became his undoing as the United States government policies of ignoring every treaty anytime it suited them and advancing their own agenda, began to confide the Sioux to smaller and smaller reservations. The Dawes Act of 1877 broke up the Great Sioux Reservation, and although Red Cloud opposed this move, he did not encourage any future or further armed resistance and helped his people adjust to the reservation system. He finally died of natural causes in 1909 at the Great Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota. And Jerry, if you can't see the light, be the light.